gentlemen, to episode 9, season 4 of Unsportsmanlike Conduct. I'm Mitch Fosberg, joined by, you guessed it, Mr. Christian Boer. Christian, happy Monday. Selection Sunday was yesterday. We get the tournament, hopefully. How are you feeling this Monday? You know, I'm feeling real good, to be honest with you. I didn't realize how much I missed the tournament till the uh, selection show started yesterday. You know, you get the, the jingle or whatever, the, the music. And I thought that was sweet. I missed it. Um, Got to figure out the TV situation in my room. My room doesn't get cable. So, and I tried to stream the selection show on my computer and it wouldn't let me for whatever reason. So, um, got to figure out what to do uh, to get some games on that TV. I was able to watch it. I guess I misspoke. I wasn't able to stream through my computer through the TV. It wouldn't for some reason let me with the HDMI cable. I was able to watch it, but on just my computer, my roommates and I are trying to figure it out. Because uh, if we can't get games on that television, uh, it's going to be rough. Well, this is worst case scenario. How many TVs you see here is recording in the CM Life secret layer? I count one, two, three. You're always welcome here. You know that. Roger that. So, yeah, it's still a tournament. Selection Sunday hit yesterday. Uh, Gonzaga, number one overall seed. Baylor, Michigan, and Illinois also getting uh, one seeds. Michigan, I believe, nine bids? Nine or eight. They had the most of anybody. I believe it was nine. Yes, nine. First of all, just to go over the field, like, is it kind of expected or you surprised someone got left out? Um, uh, Louisville didn't get in. That was, I mean, that was kind of the big one for me. Uh, Utah State getting in surprised me. And the fact, and, and really not even so much as who made it and who didn't, but how some of these teams were seeded. Like, I thought that, excuse me, Michigan State being in a playing game was criminal. Uh, because yes, they had twelve losses, but I mean, you Syracuse didn't reschedule a bunch of games. Um, I think it'd been interesting to see if they would have rescheduled those games, how it would have turned out. Because I think they'd have been in the same situation as Michigan State. Um, I think Michigan State, having beat the teams they beat, deserved the right to play. I think in the what is it the youth? Who's the six that Sir, San Diego State? I think Michigan State deserved to be in that game, uh, but instead they're in the same region as Michigan. Um, playing a playing game against UCLA, so I think a little bit of that has to do with you know the big brand name teams for the first four. Uh, but yeah, it should be uh, real real interesting to watch it shake out. Um, I wasn't surprised by anybody on the one or two line. Uh, just I and, and then you know I I think the committee got some pretty rave reviews from the from the Twitter warriors last night. I'd have to agree with them. I think they did a pretty good job. So first thing I say, when's the last time you seen Michigan and Michigan State in the same region? Because I can't remember my lifetime I've ever seen, honestly. Not in the same region, no. I don't think so. That's kind of special. Also, honestly, in my honest opinion, I'm just surprised State even found the way in. In my personal opinion. I felt this year the resume they had. Yeah, they had some good wins, had some bad losses. I don't think I thought they should have been a top seed in the NIT, in my opinion. But they got in. Good for them. Uh, I'll dive into more on this. Uh, before we go into my corner, is anything else about the preview about the tournament you want to talk about? Mm-mm. All right, so for Mitch's corner... You're, I'm about to explain the mad man that I am. How crazy I am. Because I spent four hours after, after Selection Sunday doing this yesterday. I texted Christian, so I was working this last night, saying, hey, be ready for this. Two years ago, the last one we had, I came up with a system. I had ten categories set. I took each team in every region. I took like the points, points allowed, your rebounding, your rebounds, rebounds allowed, rebound margin. Your field goal percentage, your opponent's field goal percentage, your three-point percentage, your opponent's three-point percentage, and your turnover margin. I ranked those 1 through 16. Whoever had the lowest 
Obviously, it was the best seeded. I also, I also shaved two points off if you want to eat conference tournament. So, with all being said, last uh, two years ago, my Final Four teams were Virginia, Michigan State, both made the Final Four. Gonzaga, well, they lost in, lost in the lead to, to Texas Tech, who took Virginia into overtime. And I had Utah State. Obviously, Utah State didn't pan out last in the first round. Okay. However, that was the one region that everybody screwed up because UNC was the one seed and Aubrey came out as the five seed. The top teams in the regions this year were no surprise with Michigan. And just to make sure we got that right. I believe Michigan was the only one, one seed that actually held true. Really? Houston was also top seed. The other two, I don't get totally high right now, but the top seeds, also the top teams, were UC, Santa Barbara, and Colgate. Well, I understand Colgate because they play like a mile a minute. Exactly. I'll, I'll show you the research when we're done. That's However, I want to present to you from my corner, Mitch's Sweet 16 that won't fail. So, Sweet 16 is as follows. In the West region, we have Gonzaga playing UCSB. Gonzaga wins that. How Also, we have USC against Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon was somehow became the second or third best team in there. <laughs> I was somehow top five. I know, it's wonky, right? Yeah. It's wonky, but here's the thing. Dude. This, now, I feel this does well for two ways. One, it sniffs out, it sniffs out your, first, your first round matchups. Who you mismatches are, who's who's underseated, who's overseated. I think honestly, two years ago, I got I think almost every upset. Just about. I think I missed one or two with this with this formula. So Gonzaga and UCSB, USC and Grand Canyon, sweet sixteen. Gonzaga beats USC, Gonzaga to the final four. We can all agree with that, right? Yeah. I mean the Gonzaga final four, not the other four the other three teams in there, but I digress. In Michigan's region the east, we have Michigan against Florida State. And then BYU against Iona. Look at the numbers. Yeah, I know Iona, right? Rick Pitino's team, first year. Pitino's had a coach in this tournament. Yeah, I know it's wonky. However, again, Michigan beating BYU in the Elite Eight. That's more practical because BYU, number-wise, is a lot better than I thought they were. However, again, Michigan in the Final Four, although without Isaiah Levers, I didn't count the injuries into this, which is kind of hard to do. So be it. In the other region... We have Baylor against North Texas, who was the best defensive team in that region. Then Colgate against Ohio State. Baylor beats Ohio State in the Elite Eight. Okay. So Baylor, Final Four, great for them. And then in the final region, you have Illinois against Liberty. And then San Diego State against Houston. Houston, again, the top defensive team in the region. Knocks off Illinois. Then the National Championship game, Gonzaga beats Houston. Now, this is wonky, this is crazy, but I'm talking this on Monday, March 15th. What's going to happen in a week or so, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Is this going to hold up entirely? Hell no. I am not going to be perfect. I understand this completely. But this formula has found some success from two years ago. I bring it back this year, made a couple tweaks to it, see how it goes. But also, when you talk to me about my betting on Monday of last week's episode... If all this holds true, and I place like one dollar bets on some of these money lines I'm seeing, and then parlay all of them, mm-hmm. oh boy, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna turn it low with my slow profit for the first weekend. 
So that was Mitch's corner and all the mayhem for his bracket. So Gonzaga over Houston in the national championship game, that's practical. Some of the teams of Sweet 16, yeah. I obviously seen Iona Grand Canyon, University of California, Santa Barbara, Colgate, North Texas. It seems weird right now, right? Yeah. But hey, anything happens in March, right? This is true. If somehow I am perfect this year, oh my goodness, all bow down, but it's not going to happen, so you stay in your feet. We're all good. So, that was Mitch's Corner, brought to you by Rocket Mortgage, just like <laughs> Michigan State. No, I'm kidding. But, Christian, you have the floor, my sir. All right, so I'm going to take you through where I was at with some of those uh, matchups, um, and I'll give you uh, my champion as well. So, I have Michigan, <clears throat> excuse me, I always fill out one bracket where Michigan wins it all. However, I, that's not my primary bracket this year. So if they come back and win the whole tournament, I will be elated to say that I was wrong. Um, but just kind of taking you through, uh, I have Gonzaga and Iowa in the Elite Eight in that region, and I have Gonzaga winning. Um, and then in the lower region in that side, I have Texas versus Florida State, and I have Texas winning that. Uh, top right, I have Chug, I have Baylor, Ohio State, and I have Baylor winning it. And then the final region might surprise you. And I, and I think, gosh, you know, something, you know, a lot of people say that March is about experienced guards, okay, yeah? I'm, I'm thinking 2021 is the year we throw all that to the wind. And that's why I have Oklahoma State going to the Final Four. Cade Cunningham, brother, he is a beast. They're playing good ball. Um, they were... A bad stretch, really, away from winning the Big 12 tournament. Uh, they looked like the best team in the Big 12 at times. And I think their region is winnable. I think the toughest team that they're going to play in that region is the team they'll meet in the Sweet 16 in Illinois. And I think Illinois could go down to Loyola, Chicago. So um, give me Oklahoma State and Gonzaga in the championship game, and Gonzaga wins it all. Oof. I'm cringing a little bit because the research I did, Oklahoma State was like barely top half of that region. That's why I'm cringing a little bit. That's, that's me. fine. But you know, that's the thing about brackets. You know, there's no set way to be perfect. And if there is, please call me by all means. Please hit me, hit me up on Twitter at RealMitchFever. Please <laughs> help me out a little bit. So, yeah, March Madness. I'm just glad we get it back this year. I really yeah, am. Yeah, seriously. But also, coming back soon, get baseball. Yep. So, past five weeks, we were breaking down each division. We're down to one division left. Isn't that kind of sad? Down to one last division to break down. But, hey, it's probably the most predictable, about yeah, one and two. So, let's talk about the National League West. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right. So, let's start first with the reigning, defending, undisputed, World Series champions, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Let's run out this roster just really quick. The lineup, the pieces are as follows. Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger, Will Smith, Max Bun- Muncie, the fishy guy in the lineup, A.J. Pollock, and my, and my favorite Dodger, Chris Taylor. The rotation. We thought the Yankees would be filthy. We thought the Mets was good. We have Clayton Kershaw, Trevor Bauer, Walker Bueller, Julio Urias, and David Price. What's your outlook on the Dodgers? And are they over 100 wins? And if so, what do you think is your win total for them? Ooh, they're going to be a wagon. Um, I'll take the over, 
100 wins. I'll, I'll put them around 100, 203. Um, the lineup is solid, and that rotation is filthy. I mean, there's not a ton else you can say about that squad. Um, it's just a matter of can they get it done in the playoffs, because they did last year, but there's been other years where they've let it slip away. So, yeah, I, I think they're the best team in the division right now, but uh, the two-team is hot on their heels. Uh, but I still think they get over 100 wins. Yeah, I, I'll, pay, I'll, pay the, I'll pick the Dodgers at 105. Um, the, what scares me most about this Dodgers team is probably of the five best Cy Young candidates in the National League, the Dodgers have three of them. Mm-hmm. And that lineup has, I believe, two former MVPs. I know best is MVP, I believe Bellinger got one in there somewhere. I think he did too. If not, if not at least a rookie of the year. Uh, Corey Seager came back off his injury. Phenomenal last year in the postseason. Justin Turner, a big tomato. Still good. Will Smith's up and coming. Max Muncy was a steal from the A's organization. A.J. Pollock, if he's healthy, will be great out there. And Chris Taylor just gives the effort every day. You put him at first, second, third, short, left, center, right. Uh... Hot dogs, hot dog salesman. You know, <laughs> you can put him anywhere in the diamond, and he'll still be productive for you. So, yeah, Dodgers think we'll take the NOS, but there's a young up and coming team nipping at their heels, the San Diego Padres. So right now, the lineup projected just these players in there. I'm not giving out an order because who knows? It changes any given day. <clears throat> Trent Grisham, Fernando Tatis Jr., aka Mr. Moneybags. Uh, Manny Machado, Eric Hosmer, Tommy Pham, Will Myers, Cronworth, and Victor Carantini. The rotation of Hugh Darvish, Blake Snell, Joe Musgrove, Denison LeMay, and Chris Paddock, the sheriff. All right, I ask you a question for you, the Padres. Over or under, I'll say 95 wins. And can, this, and can they compete with the Dodgers this season? Yeah, I'd say they probably can, can compete with the Dodgers. Uh, give me the under. I see them around 92, 93. Uh, you know what? Screw it. Give me the over. If I've got them projected at 92 or 93 wins, might as well take the over just in case. Um, you know, I like the lineup. Uh, Cronenworth was a good surprise for them as a rookie last year. Uh, Paddock. Having Paddock as a five starter is a good problem to have. Yeah, uh, he's a beast. So you know, you sit there and have him as the five. Made a couple of good additions in the off season with Darvish and Snell. And at the end of the day, if this year's not their year, maybe next year is. Yeah, my feeling. I'm gonna go under the one to ninety five. I'm gonna say about eighty eight or ninety. Uh, my only issue is my talent is just this whole team. This what they have connected the lineup. Yeah, it's been solid, but all these pitchers, you know, they're. Their top three pitchers right now are brand new. Like yeah. it's it takes time for that chemistry to build in the clubhouse. All of them have talent. All of them do. Uh, but I think the Padres definitely wild card team. Definitely wild card sure. team. I think they host that wild card game. But to say they can compete with the Dodgers, I think give them one more year, and especially when they get Clevenger back healthy next season. Yeah. <sighs> Maybe Musgrove and LeMay are gone. You get Paddock and you bring up Mackenzie Gore finally. Mackenzie Gore. Then we're talking about San Diego. I'll, I'll, I'll go all in San Diego in 2022. 2021, wild card team. Probably about 88-90 wins. That's where I see the Padres. So, the rest of the vision. This just gets sad. My goodness. The drop off from 1-2 to, two to 
three to five is just wow. Oh, uh, who you want to start with first? Arizona, San or San Francisco? Let's go San Francisco. All right, so that lineup consists of the pieces are Tommy Lastella, Mike Yastrzemski. I'm blanking his first name, Solano. Alex Dickerson, Buster Posey, Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, and Mauricio Dubon. Their pitching rotation is Kevin Gosman, Johnny Cueto, Anthony Discofani, Alex Wood, and Aaron Sanchez. Can the Giants get the 500? No. No, just because I think they're going to get beat up by the top two teams in their division. And I think that's going to be the... I think one of the reasons why you could ballpark... Uh, both L.A. and San Diego above 95 wins is because they're just going to beat the tar out of the other three teams in their division. Uh, San Francisco, I mean, there's good young pieces, but at the end of the day, they just, they're they not going to be able to hang. Yeah, I don't get what the Giants are doing. Uh, they still got some of their old core pieces, players like Chani Cueto, Brandon Bell, Brandon Crawford, Crawford and Buster Posey. I can't tell if they're like, there's in this just weird spot right now where it's like, last year they were contending for a while and sexy games just couldn't finish it, and then I, this is they're about probably a year away from really like totally hitting the reset switch, which I feel they probably should have done two years ago, in my mm-hmm. opinion. But it's gonna be a rough year for Giants fans, and. You know, I love to see Johnny Cueto and Kevin Gossman find success. I love to see Aaron Sanchez finally bounce back. I love to see Yastrzemski keep on the pace he was the past couple years. I love to see Buster Posey, Brandon Belt, and Brandon Crawford all have real good years. I love to see it, but I don't think it's going to happen. So I think the Giants definitely under 500. I think probably about 75 wins for them. Probably fair. So now let's get to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um... Talk about a team like San Francisco. We don't know what they're doing. Um, you can make the same case for the Diamondbacks. Uh, pieces running out of the lineup. Uh, Josh Rojas, Cattell Marte, David Peralta, Christian Walker, Eduardo Escobar, Carson Kelly, Dalton Varsho, and Nick Amen. Or Nick Amen, my apologies. Uh, Pitching-wise, you have Zach Gatlin, Madison Bumgarner, Luke Weaver, Caleb Smith, and Merrill Kelly. Okay, I don't remember this different. Can the pot, can the Diamondbacks get to 80 wins? No. Uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned Madison Baumgartner. It's just like with the Giants and Johnny Cueto. It's like these dudes are good. Uh, Cueto, I don't think, has as much left as Baumgartner potentially does, although they're right around the same area. So, I don't know. Uh, you know, you get to the West Coast, you start uh, leaving my area of expertise. But I will say that the Di- or the Diamondbacks, excuse me, um, had a chance. They did. They had a, a like a window of contention when they had Goldschmidt and them guys, and it's just gone now. Yeah, they got some young pieces I like. I, I like Cattell Marte. I like Christian Walker. I like Luke Weaver and Caleb Smith. It's just sad for me to see Mad Bum regress as much as he has. Especially you talk about him in 2012. Well, the 2014 World Series, he was just. The closest thing you'd come to is unhittable, like, ever. And now here in 2021, we're talking about him trying to bounce back and get his career back on track. Like, it's just kind of sad to see someone who was that dominant fall kind of this far. But, hey, you know, he's getting, he's getting a good paycheck from the Diamondbacks, so, I mean, he can't be sure. too mad. But uh, give me give me Diamondbacks. I bet 
I'll say 78 wins for them. I think it's close than people think. I think that's doable, but if it wins surprisingly their fourth and like by a margin, no, I wouldn't. So now let's talk about a team that has traded their best player and $50 million this offseason. <laughs> When's the last time you heard that? <laughs> We're talking about, of course, the Colorado Rockies. The lineup consists of Ramil Tapia, or Tapia, sorry for pronouncing it wrong again, small town guy. Trevor Story, Charlie Blackman, Ryan McMahon, CJ Crone, remember him? Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam Hilliard, Brendan Rogers, and Elias Diaz. The pictures of Ramon Marquez, Cal Freeland, Antonio Sensatella, uh, John Gray, and Austin Gomber. Can the Rockies get the 70 wins? No. No. I just, I just think that they're going to... Like, there's opportunities and windows. If you're a team that wants to get to 70 wins, you've got to be able to go to the to the top team in your division and maybe take two out of three. Um, but, like, you look at the rotations for both of those teams. Like, if you're Colorado, when you go to the, uh, Chavez Ravine, I think is the where the L.A. Dodgers, and you play Kershaw, Bauer, Bueller, you're not winning any of those games. So... Uh, the Arenado trade hurts them in the present. It'll help them in the long run with some of the returns that they got. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, just another rebuilding squad, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm going to say over the 70-win mark. I guess I see him at 72, 73. Um, the rotation, yeah, it doesn't look great, but it's also something to really scoff at. Marquez has been productive. Sensatella can be good when he's on. John Gray's looking to bounce back. Cal Freeland, two years ago, he was the ace when they beat uh, beat the Cubs in the wild card. Mm-hmm. You know, if he can get back on track that form, you know, that could be a problem. Uh, the lineup, yes, without Arnaud, is going to suffer a little bit. But my player to watch in this division this year, because now there's a spot for him to be able to play third or short, potentially, Brendan Rodgers. Former top five pick, uh, Vandy. The kid's an absolute stud. Yeah. He finally gets a crack at the big leagues now. I think Kim, Blackman, Story, and Crone could be a very formidable middle part of the lineup. But, again, the talent all around just isn't there. 72 wins, I feel, is the ceiling. So, yeah. So, Christian, bring it down now. I think we know where it's going to go, but Division 1 through 5. Have at it. All right, let's go LA 1, San Diego 2, um, Arizona 3, San Francisco 4, Colorado 5. I'll go Dodgers 1. Padres two. Uh, screw it. Rockies three. Diamondbacks four. Giants five. So yeah, that's finishes up our MLB preview. We're still a couple weeks away from uh, opening week, opening day, but starting to get excited now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Starting to get the juices flowing. Yes, sir. All right. You know what time is for now? For now, right? Yeah. Time for quick thoughts. Quick thoughts. Quick All thoughts. right, Mr. Brewer. What do you have for us this week? Well, first off, uh, let's touch on gambling. Let's touch on um, how your last week went. Uh, you know, you've talked to me a little bit about this. I'd love for you to tell the people. As well as maybe some under-the-radar picks for March Madness that you might have already looked at. Okay, first of all, I just absolutely caught fire for the MAC tournament. You boys, you boy, you and Austin Chastain are sports editor. I can't mention Ohio, and I just rode with them, and it worked out pretty well. Of the seven MAC games that are played, I got six right. Let's go. Bowling Green messed me up oh. against Akron. As for some of my upset specials, um, the one game don't touch is Oklahoma-Missouri. Like I mentioned in my Mitch's corner, Oklahoma-Missouri were the bottom two teams in the West region. It's a crapshoot. Whoever walks out of that is not going to touch Gonzaga. 
Again, University of California, Santa Barbara, somehow the top team in that in that region. Beat luck for them to beat Creighton. I want to take the Bobcats real bad. I do want to take them how bad, but Virginia is just good up defensively. Okay, that I feel it's a problem. But Virginia is in quarantine right now. This is true. And the I was watching the ESPN Bracketology show yesterday, and they said the best case scenario Virginia can get on the road on Friday. Yeah. They're going to play on Saturday. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a chance there. There's a chance. I'll yeah. give you that. But just off, just off my analytics, Virginia is good enough defensively and def- can defend well enough. Yeah. Although Ohio is one of the top offensive teams in that region. Um, They've got a good guard. Also, according to my math, Grand Canyon over Iowa. Iowa was not a good defensive team. No, they're not. And Grand Canyon... Was so that would was be a good offensive team. Incredible. Uh, in the East region, uh, Saint Bonaventure over LSU apparently, in, according to my math. Um, the one upset I had, which was surprising, because they were somehow like the number three, number four team in the East region, Abilene Christian over Texas. Yeah, I know you scoff at that, like it's a final four team. At least for you. Uh, also said for me, Iona over Alabama. Alabama in that region didn't dominate any category really. Again, it's a Rick Pitino team. NATO's first roll with Bama. So, we'll see how that goes. I would love for your bracket to, to turn out. I think that would be so much fun. Other upsets I had. Winthrop over Villanova because Nova's missing their top point yep. guard. Gillespie's out. North Texas over Purdue because North Texas is the best defensive team in the South region. The best defensive team in the South region. But how do they match up? Do they have a big guy who can play with Wheeler? It doesn't matter. They, they're the top defensive team in the region. They defend a three-point line. They defend everywhere. Um, my math also said Colgate over Arkansas, although I wouldn't touch that personally because Arkansas is that good. Although, honestly, Arkansas is on a 11-game winning streak at the end of the season, so yeah. take that as you will. Uh, in the Midwest region, Liberty over Oklahoma State. I know you hate that because you have Oklahoma State in the Final Four. I had them in the Final. That's true. Uh, Moorhead State over West Virginia. And those were the kind of big upsets I had. Although Rutgers and Clemson, very similar to uh, Oklahoma and Missouri. That's a crapshoot game. Bumping two teams in the region. That's a game I personally wouldn't touch. So those are my upset specials. Take those as you will. I'm talking about it on Monday, March 15th. This will come out Thursday afternoon. So I'm not sure that's when the brackets will lock because then it starts on a Friday this year. Yeah. So those are just my upset picks. Am I going to put money in all those games? Maybe, maybe not. Am I going to win all those games? Yes. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe not again. But that's kind of where I'm putting my money on those games. So I do have to ask. This is kind of 1B. But have you ever picked a tournament winner correct with one of your brackets? I do not think so. I've done oh, wait, how's it? Wait, I'm sorry. I misspoke. 2017. Wait, the last year UNC won a title, I had that right. Okay. That's one thing I had right. Last year I had two Final Four teams. In 2011, when I'm not going to say how old I was after last week's debacle. <laughs> um, I was all, 10. Uh, all, all my Final Four teams lost in the Elite Eight Dang. in 2011. I remember Arizona and Florida were two of them, and I was just heartbroken. I'm like, man, I was so close. But I had UNC in 17. Uh, but I had Gonzaga beat Virginia Tell game the last tournament we had. Virginia obviously made a tell game against Texas Tech, who again was the top defensive team in the region. That's kind of why I'm banking on that a little bit. I, uh, I've done it once. Who'd you pick? Who was it? Uh, UConn, the Kemba Walker team. Oh, the Kemba team. Yeah, I bet my gym teacher, um, 
So he thought that UConn would be out because I believe they were a five. And he said that UConn wouldn't make it to the Sweet 16. And so he bet me a sleeve of Oreos if they made it to the Sweet 16. And then for every round they advanced, I'd get another one. And then if they won the championship, he'd just buy me a box. <laughs> and that next, that Tuesday after they won, and we had gym class, I think I was in fourth grade. And I just see, I see that box Oreos standing there waiting for me. I'm like, yup, I'm a legend. And then I obviously was wrong. I had Michigan in the final both year that they went. And then uh, Duke, I had, um, uh, did I have Kentucky? Or did I have Wisconsin? I think I had Wisconsin that year. Um, so I've had the finalists a handful of times. Um, all right, but number two, I want you to do your top three NHL teams right now. I want you to give us the Mitch Power Rankings. So my top three are as follows. Tampa Bay, the New York Islanders, and for right now, I'll say Toronto. Hmm. Although, honestly, that Toronto pick could dip in there eventually. But as of those of you know, like, yeah, Tampa, the favorite, obviously. I don't know right now they're second in the division because Carolina's caught fire. Uh, the Islanders, Barry Trotz doesn't know how to coach a team. The defense has been great. Simeon Varlamov has been an amazing addition to my fantasy hockey team. It's been awesome. Toronto is a wagon in Canada. You know, can they sustain it? They, they lost their last two now. Uh, my Winnipeg Jets beat them Saturday, and then I took them Monday line. They're going to beat Ottawa last night. And I screwed up my parlay. I lost four bucks. Well, potentially four bucks to win. I only put a dollar on it. But, yep, those are my top three right now in the NHL. There you go. And then number three, we had some news pop up here on the TV uh, just a second ago. Romeo Aquara sticking around in Detroit. Um, do you think that's the right move? And would you have liked to have seen them potentially use the franchise tag on Kenny Galladay? Because that's the topic we haven't talked about yet. Um, Aquara, good for them. They got two DMs they can work with with Flowers and Aquara. And obviously doing Aquara too, so they got a little rotation set for there. Um... I don't, honestly, in my opinion, I don't think Galladay was put the franchise tag solely because he couldn't stay healthy and improve it the year. Mm-hmm. That's the, that to me is the biggest reason why he didn't get tagged. Because, look, you're paying, that tag for this year would have been, what, 16 and a half, 17 mil? 16 and a half. For a guy who played five games? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, that just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Obviously, they're trying to tear everything down, including the studs, get everything built back to normal. You know, obviously, Galladay probably just, He's proven when he's healthy, he could be a number one. But again, when he's healthy, that's the big problem he has right now. So obviously, I've seen some team out there that we all know it could happen by the time this comes out on Thursday. It's going to pay him a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not like it's not like well for him or Lions fans. Obviously, Tyrell Williams is staying. Obviously, probably they're going to take a wide receiver to win this draft. Take your pick. What's going to happen on the road? Regali lands, I don't know, but Accor, good for him. They brought him back. Uh, Galladay, not surprised. He's elsewhere right now. Yeah. All right, so are you ready for the UC Mock Draft version 2.0, their next picks? Yep. We started our UC Mock Draft version 2.0 last week, going 1 through 10. Today we're going 11 through 20. Trades are involved in this if we would like. Let the chaos begin. Christian. Pick number 11, the New York Football Giants. Select? Your boy Gregory Rousseau. This is a guy that Mitch is very high on. Um, 
I had him slip a little bit to 11, although I don't know if slip is the right word considering he's considered a widely like a top 15 guy. So give it, uh, the Giants get a nice young piece defensively with their first round pick. So for me, call the phone to have a trade. Uh-oh. The New York Giants acquire picks 20, a second rounder from the Bears, and a third rounder for the Bears. They moved up to 11. And with the 11th overall pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select Matt Jones, quarterback, Alabama. Yep, you oohing and on, but hey, I'm talking Bears here. Mm. Yep, I know. I totally get you. But I, uh, I like that. I'm talking Bears here. <laughs> here's the thing. Are the three quarterbacks that are left. Of my on my board, of Trey Lance, Mac Jones, and Justin Fields, who you think is ready to play, more ready to play right now in a pro system? In a pro system, probably Jones. There you have it. When this guy has a good old line and weapons around him, and getting the system where he can get rid of the ball quick, he can be effective. I get their stigma around Alabama quarterbacks. I really, really do. But it's also a stigma around Ohio State quarterbacks, and we keep saying Justin Fields is gonna be top ten. Yeah. So which hill are we dying on here? All right, big guy, somewhat athletic, good arm. If you, if you get him the right system and mold him properly, the guy I feel can be effective. The Bears got good weapons. Guys like Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson. Uh, no line that's getting better. That got a ranking behind him. Mac Jones, a big guy that can stand up, stand upright in the NFC North. Now I don't know the Bears are desperate for a quarterback. This is one route they can go. Apparently, they're not afraid to trade all their all the draft capital, the kitchen sink, and their grandma. To get their hands on Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. But for right now, I see the Bears go to 11. Don't give up a whole lot either. Only a second and a fifth go back return this year's draft for a Giants team and need some more pieces. Uh, give me Mac Jones, quarterback to, uh, from Alabama, to go to the Giants at 11. So, quarterback at 12. Uh, sorry, pick number 12, the San Francisco 49ers. What do you got there? J.C. Horn, cornerback out of South Carolina. He's the third corner off the board already for me, which uh, I don't really know how I feel about that. But... Horn's a good player. Uh, he he's a good bump and run player. He kind of holds when he you know watching a little bit of him watching play a little bit. You see, he kind of holds a little bit, but uh, he'll be a good player. I think he's a good pick at twelve. So for me, the San Francisco 49ers select Trey Lance, quarterback, North Dakota State. For me, these quarterbacks, in my honest opinion, talent it goes Lawrence Gap, Wilson. Lance Jones, slight little gap than Justin Fields, in my personal opinion. I think Jones is more ready now. I think Trey Lance probably does need a year because he hasn't played a actual in-play snap since 2019. Yeah. He needs a little time to sit. Also, he's no, he's no rush. Uh, Kyle Shannon can take a year to mold him, go with Jimmy G one more year, and then just tell him, hey, you know, it's been a great run, but I think it's time we part ways. And then they have, I think, a really, really talented quarterback on the bench for a year. Not two years like the, the Falcons could potentially do. One year in San Francisco. And he's a guy I think who's athletic enough, a strong enough arm that can really do well now in that system with Cal Shanahan. So, for me, it's a good fit. San Francisco, Trey Lane. All right, so 13 overall pick. The Los Angeles Chargers, not San Diego Chargers, select. San Diego Chargers select Rayshon Slater out of... Northwestern, offensive tackle. All right, for me, they go Christian Derisaw, Virginia Tech. Same reasons. Like, look, Herbert's got to stay upright. Yeah, flat out. healthy. The, 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 the LA's O-line was talented, but they were old and banged up the past couple of years. 
Time for time to inject some youth in that old line. So we both have a tackle. Fourteenth pick, the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, it's a tackle, Christian Derisaw. So same reasons. I think that they. I mean, there's other areas they could go here, uh, but Derisaw's talented, and I think that you know if you want to keep Kirk Cousins, I haven't seen what they're gonna do with Riley Reef. I think. Did they cut him? Last I heard, they cut him. Okay, so then, yeah, yeah. Then, then there you go. You can plug in this cat, and uh, he can be an offensive tackle for you. So, for me, with the 14 overall pick, the Minnesota Vikings select Micah Parsons, linebacker, Penn State. Mike Zimmer Vlad said it. That defense is the worst he's ever had. They have Eric Hendricks, Anthony Barring getting younger. They need, they, need, they need help. Secondary's young, loud, rookie corners. D line will have Michael Pierce, the Neil Hunter back. Just patch up out. Just patch up your linebacker spot. Parsons is a really talented guy. Probably best suited to go outside, but although him Kendricks and Barr for one season, the Barr eventually wild rides in the sunset. That's kind of a scary linebacker core, isn't it? Yeah. Not really patch up your defense there, huh? Yeah. All right. So, fifteenth overall pick, New England Patriots. Christian, who do you have Bill Belichick taking here? Wide receiver Devontae Smith. I think that him falling there is scary. Uh, quarterback situation, obviously, they need to figure it out. But I do think that Devontae Smith will be uh, the guy at 15, and I think he's a talented playmaker. So for me, the New England Patriots select Justin Fields, yep. quarterback, Ohio State. Yep. Cam Newton's back for one year. Yeah. You know, you, you know, I think obviously Newton and Fields can play very similar styles. I don't think, I think Fields' arm is as strong as Newton's. It's going to take a little time, but I think McDaniels and the whole crew and the offense can find a really good way to use him. Yeah. So for me, uh, Justin Fields, let him sit for about eight, ten weeks, and then uh, let them take over and learn from Cam. Mm-hmm. For sure. So 16th overall, the Arizona Cardinals select. Micah Parsons, linebacker out of Penn State. I think Hassan Reddick is going bye-bye. And here's your guy. He's your plug-in piece right here to fill that role. All right, for me, the Cardinals select Jeremiah Owusu Koromora from Notre Dame. Look, the defense is going to be scary. Yeah. You already have guys like Buda Baker, J.J. Watt, and Isaiah Simmons. Add one more versatile piece like Owusu Koromora is, who's playing a, good, a big pro-style system for defense. He's playing in big games. This guy can plug in, put him outside linebacker, put him at safety. Kind of a flexible guy like Simmons is. Might not have two of those like Swiss Army like, kind mm-hmm. of players. So, 17, the Las Vegas Raiders. Chucky and the boys. Select? Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. So, you and I are one pick off, what, two, twice? I think so. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, you know, they just, another defensive piece for them. Um, you know, they had some success last year. I think that the first half or so of their season, they overachieved and then kind of let it slip away. Could have been a playoff team if the ball bounced differently a couple of different times. And um, adding a piece like Owusu Koromo, I think this versatility will only help them in the long run. For me, um, I still can't pin down what the Raiders are going to do in this draft. I have a hunch it's going to be a Clemson player somehow. Yeah. But for me right now, I'll say Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. They just cut Trent Brown. They cut a lot of people. That O-line needs help. Yeah, that's true. At this point, probably the best line left on the board, and you can put him at guard, center, tackle, put him spot anywhere. So for me, Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC, real good fit for the Raiders who just need offensive line help. 18th overall, the Miami Dolphins. Who got the, who got the fence taken here? The old Alabama reunion. 
a little Najee Harris. Uh, I don't have them taking an Alabama guy at three. Uh, I got them taking Kyle Pitts, but just the SEC squad. You know what I'm saying? Uh, get get to another playmaker to, to run around in the backfield with and uh, put that offense on the right track. It's going to be a lot of youth, and they might take their licks early on, but this is a promising uh, core of young players that they're building here. So for me, I got the Miami Dolphins taking Pay Deanne out of Michigan. And that's what I was getting a four-point stance. This is literally an animal that I don't want to be up against. It's terrifying. He's versatile. He can do a lot of good things. And, you know, after losing Van Noy to, to a cap casualty, and that D-line probably needs some more pieces to it, honestly. Yeah. It's a good guy to kind of build around that with. Someone who's athletic, powerful, can do a lot of good things. So for me, Quiddy Pay, Michigan, good fit. 19th overall, the Washington football team. This is lame. Uh... Select. I can't convince myself if this is a reach or not, but I have them taking safety Trayvon Morig out of TCU. Uh, some help in that secondary as they try to build a really good young defense. I think that they were really good defensively last year, and uh, getting some help in that secondary would be pretty big for them. So for me, I got Washington selecting Devontae Smith, wide receiver at Alabama. Round Rivera and crew are dancing in excitement. He's still falling 19. Mm-hmm. The former Heisman Trophy winner. They need some wide receiver help, don't they? Yes, they do. So get that reading Heisman Trophy winner, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Which is weird because, like, I believe in the mock draft version 1.0, I have number two of the Jets. I have a 19 of Washington. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, boy. It's crazy how these change, huh? Yeah, seriously. So 20 for you, it would be the Bears. For me, it would be the Giants in the trade. Yeah. Where you got the Bears taken? Well, you've got them taking the quarterback. I don't think so because I think that you're going to see some things shake out in this offseason where – Maybe they don't need a quarterback. Um, I have them taking offensive tackle Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC so that they can keep their future quarterback, Mr. Wilson, um, on his feet, protected, and happy. So by Wilson, you mean Zach or Russell? Mr. Russell Wilson. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> All right, so for me at 20, this would be the Giants picking. I have them taking Zayvon Collins, linebacker out of Tulsa. That defense needs some more pieces. Yeah, Blake Martinez, great. But get someone young and physical and versatile to go right next mm-hmm. to him. Boy, Zayvon Collins and Blake Martinez tackling machines. Seriously. Oh, boy. Oh, I, I, hate to run, I hate to run the ball in the uh, NFC East there. <laughs> so, that was our UC mock draft version. 2.0 picks, 11 to 20. So, Christian, are you ready? Yeah. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Positive. Oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I think you know what time it is. It's my favorite segment of the week. It's Can Christian Hanks! Alright, so this week's topic is the 2011 World Series. He's been he's been 3 for 3 of the regular questions past two weeks now. You think you think you make it, um, think you make it three in a row? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's gonna be, I'm going to have to rack my brain for this one. This is 10-year-old Christian um, yeah, this will be interesting. Gosh. He's, he's, he's had so much confidence, too, and I love it. So, question number one. The Rangers obviously beat the Tigers in the ALCS. Moment of, moment of silence for that. Rest in peace. The Cardinals in the NLCS defeated what team and in how many games? Shoot. I thought this was about the World Series. Um. I mean, it was fat to get there, but. Hmm. They beat... The hmm. Oh, is it the San Francisco Giants in six? 
You got the number of games right, but the team was incorrect. The correct answer was the Milwaukee Brewers. Okay. With MVP Ryan Braun and with Prince Fielder. Okay. Question number two. Who was the World Series MVP? Uh, David Freese. Correct. Yeah. Question number three. Which of the following pitchers was not, did not start a game for the Cardinals in the World Series? Is it A, Chris Carpenter, B, Adam Wainwright, C, Lance Lynn, or D, my brother's former favorite Tiger, Edwin Jackson? Edwin Jackson did not. Is that your final answer? Yeah. Incorrect. The correct answer was Adam Wainwright because he missed the entire season due, due to Tommy John surgery. Oh, I knew it. Okay, yeah. Edwin Jackson actually started game four. Oh, Wow. Good yeah. for Edwin Jackson. You won a ring. I didn't know. Yeah. That. So now we're ready for the bonus question. Yes. We all remember David Freeze's big triple, right? Mm-hmm. Bottom and ninth. One, two count, two outs. What two St. Louis Cardinals scored on that play? Two holes? Correct. And. Hmm. I'm trying to think about that, that lineup. If you think about it, Joe Buck did say it. Yeah, I don't remember his call though. Um. So it was. Uh, Dexter Fowler. Not a bad guess, but incorrect. The answer was Alvin Pujols and Lance Berkman. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't have got that. Lance Berkman, I remember. So one for three, you did get the bonus, but it's a tough scene. Hey, you know what? You did you give for two weeks, sir. I did, I did throw it. I had to get you a little bit, right? Yeah, that's true. All right, so for a question of the week, what is your favorite sports video game ever? Hmm. That's a good one. Um, I'm going to say NBA. So, so I, I, I get this isn't the best game, but this is the game I have the most fun playing. NBA Playgrounds. Ooh. Have you ever played that? I have not. It's basically um, a newer-ish version of, oh shoot, what's the, uh, NBA Jam. Okay. Uh, it's like two on two. You can do. You have like the sick dog packages and stuff. And it's a fun game to play. My little brother and I played it a lot together over the summer, uh, so it was really fun, and uh, I really enjoy it. Uh, the only thing that sucks is that you have to like accumulate coins to buy players. You can't just pick to play with whoever you want. So. Um, yeah, I love playing that game. It's a lot of fun. The games are really quick. Um, and they're engaging because most of the time the games are usually pretty close. So it's a lot of fun to play. So for me, uh, it's Madden 05. Uh, that's the first game my brother and I, first Madden my brother and I bought brand new for it, PlayStation 2. PlayStation 2. I still play when I'm at home to this day because it's the 04 season and the best of this team went 15-1. and with a rookie Big Ben, and look at the roster, I think, how the hell they manage this. <laughs> a little bit. But, no, also the soundtrack was awesome to it, too. Like, I still have it on my Spotify account. What I'll do now with Man 21 is I'll put that on mute, and I'll play the Man 05 soundtrack oh, on Bluetooth speaker awesome. over that instead. Because I think it's that much better. There's so many good, like, it's the epitome of, like, I mean, there's Green Day on it. There's, like, Hoobastink, uh, I believe Finger 11's on there, too, I think. Uh, so many other bands and stuff you want. I can't think of them. Will I Am is on there. Mooney Suzuki, just so many good songs. Faith No More is on there too. Uh, just so many songs I just remembered so much of my childhood. It's just uh, man. Yeah. I just remember my brother always going franchise with the Falcons and 
We're in the table with uh, Michael Vick and Warwick Dunn and TJ Duckett and the gang. And mm-hmm. Never love, we have a true go-to team on that game, but always two franchises to rebuild, so always have to relocate the Lions from Detroit somehow. So, which sucks. But also, I always try to get John Bonamigo as my uh, special teams coordinator. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, good for him because he has a job in the NFL still. After yep. breaking us go 1-11. <clears throat> I'm not mad at all. But, well, this wraps up the episode. Um, any last thing you want to get off your chest? No, sir. All right, so for Christian Boer, I'm Mitch Vosberg. Clippers stick to the ice.